This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mamalidi. I have to ask this. Do you like pineapple? You want to start this with me, Mary? I am. Are, are we going to fight there. today? We are going there because I just had the discussion. We had some friends over and two of my girlfriends love pineapple on their pizza. Okay, listen, this is a culinary hill I'm willing to die on. Come on. Pineapple goes on pizza. Stop okay? it. It belongs. It Stop does. Stop it. No. <laughs> no, we're going to disagree on that one. A little salty, a little sweet. It works for everything, including pizza. Oh, no. Yes. No. No. See, you just make me sad when you say that. <laughs> Can't gatekeep pizza, Mary, okay? To each their own. I'm Mary Mamalini, and with me today is our co-producer and editor, Matt Agnew, for our summer catch-up episode. This is where we share what's inspiring us in the kitchen and what we've learned from our many guests on Kitchen Confession. Matt, Mr. Matt, welcome to the other side of the mic. Yes, hello. Good day, Mary. How are you? I am fantastic. And I can't wait to talk because there's a lot that we have to talk about. We've done a lot this summer. I mean, restrictions have lifted in Toronto, so we are experiencing a lot more. You recently tried a mushroom whiskey. So, okay, first of all, why would you drink that? And then second of all, <laughs> what is it? Um, because I love whiskey. I like trying new new types. And when I saw this on the shelf, I just could not pass it up. I was I was really confused at first, but no, it, it is it is a mushroom whiskey. It's from a Canadian distiller called Bareface. Uh, they make a really nice Canadian blend of whiskey. But yeah, so they have this new series called the uh, the Wilderness Series. And the first release in that series is called the uh, Matsutake Edition. Um, and Matsutake, I've learned, is a type of mushroom. Uh, people apparently pay quite a lot to get their hands on this type of mushroom, but it's really abundant in kind of the BC area. It's, it's, it's a common forage item, I guess. And so uh, Bearface, what they did is they were, they were looking to add a little umami flavor, I guess, to their palate for this wilderness series. Um, and so I guess what they did is, I, I'm not quite sure how the barreling process works, but they infused some of the uh, mushroom flavor into the barrel and then aged the whiskey, their blended whiskey, in the barrel. So it kind of takes on some of that mushroom umami flavor and it's a common technique with a lot of different types of whiskeys like you'll see canadian whiskeys that mm -hmm. are finished in x bourbon barrels or a lot of scotches are finished in x sherry casks uh things like that so it's a pretty common technique but bareface has kind of taken it to you know the next degree uh, they also have this thing that they call elemental aging and it kind of works on this concept that like with with the barrels when they're stored outdoors um, and we get really big temperature fluctuation, especially here in Canada. Um, you know, we're not <laughs> unfamiliar with temperature swings from minus 30 to plus 30. What happens is when when the weather gets really cold and uh, the wood cells contract right and it forces any absorbed liquid back out into the blend and then when it gets warm those pores open again and it takes in uh, more of that liquid and uh, apparently in a in an x cask you can actually get like several liters worth of uh, liquid stored in in the cell walls of that cask and then when the temperature dies again it all gets squeezed back out so you get that fluctuation in and out and so when you have that mushroom flavor that's been absorbed into the wood and it get squeezed back out into the blend. So that, that's how you get the flavoring. Um, I was a really big fan uh, of, of this. It's a very complex 
uh, flavor palette, which you don't always get with uh, things like Canadian whiskeys and bourbons. Okay, so for us non-whiskey drinkers, Mm -hmm. when you say complex flavors, is it more mushroom forward or are you still getting like that whiskey and then a hint of, I want to say earth, because when I think of mushrooms, I think of earthy, um, deeper kind of flavors to it. Yeah, yeah. So for people who, you know, are not super into the, you know, whiskey tasting or the wine tasting, that kind of thing, when you, when you do see those things on the bottom, you're like, how does this red wine have notes of pineapple? Like, is that really true? Can yeah. that be true? Um, what you're really tasting there is the um, esters and congeners, and those are byproducts of fermentation. When when you see those tasting notes, like obviously there's no pineapple there's um, right. in, in that wine, right? But you are trying to describe what these flavors are reminding you of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what's interesting is with Canadian whiskey, there's no real rules around it. Other types of alcohol, depending on where it's made, often has very strict uh, defining characteristics and properties that are actually regulated. But Canadian whiskey doesn't have that. So when you're saying about like a wine or a scotch, it doesn't have tropical fruit notes in it because there was no tropical fruit used in the distillation of it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a whiskey or a scotch or whatever. Right. But here in Canada, this literally actually has matsutake mushrooms as part of the process. So That's wild. I wouldn't say it's a very mushroom forward. Like, you don't taste it and think, oh, that tastes like stir fry, right? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there's definitely that sort of earthy note to it. I think the umami uh, thing that they were going for really came through in it. Really? But, uh, yeah, it just added that extra layer of interest, and uh, I quite enjoyed it. I would definitely go back for another bottle. Okay, that was my next question. Would you go back for another bottle? Mm -hmm, absolutely, yeah. And Bareface, because they do this elemental aging where they store their casks outdoors in the Canadian wilderness in shipping containers, and when we experience those huge fluctuations in temperature, it's just exacerbated by the, the shipping container. It really speeds up the process, and so you, you get a whiskey that tastes like it's much older than it really is because um, it's gone through more fluctuation as part of that barrel aging process than than most have. So I, th I think what Bareface is doing is really interesting, and I think it's really worth checking out. And you say elements, you mean seriously, it's outside and it just basically, it's using our seasons to mature this or to age yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Oh, I like that. Okay, so what else is going on in your kitchen these days? Well, uh, a pretty big milestone for us. My daughter, Gemma, is, uh, we're starting her on solids. Yay! Uh, yeah, she's, um, she's starting on solids. We've so far tried sweet potato, which is a big hit. We've had applesauce, which just gave us a big sour face, and mango was absolutely a reject. No way! <laughs> yeah, I was kind of surprised. Um, but we got a really cool idea. It's from this blog. It's called Solid Starts, and it's sort of a collaboration between uh, pediatricians and nutritionists. And they, they have these great courses on baby lead weaning, which is kind of the trendy uh, way to introduce your, your kid to uh, solid foods these days. So mostly bottle feeding her still, but um, also starting to introduce a little bit at a time at her own pace. But they have great courses on how to introduce certain foods like mango, for example, because it's slippery, it's hard to pick up, uh, could be a choking hazard. So what they recommended was, you know, you chop up your mango, have your mango, but save the pit because it's got a lot of that mango flavor on it. It's big, easier to pick up. And there's no way that they can fit the whole thing in their mouth. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about them choking on little bits of mango. And they don't have teeth yet. So they gum it. 
Yeah, they just they just come and she just sits there. I mean, if she if Gemma had enjoyed it a little bit more than she did, uh, that might have provided hours of entertainment. You don't know, but uh, she was not a mango fan. I was really surprised. Maybe it, it was a little bit more on the sour side. Yeah, you know, yeah, if it wasn't super right. But anyway, so they have lots of great ideas and like you name it, they have a whole database of different foods, how to introduce it, when to introduce it, and uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. The whole idea is that uh, through baby led weaning. You give them a chance to develop their palate a little bit more. That's the chance of them becoming a really picky eater is a lot less. Um, and really just avoiding baby food, the idea of baby food. You're, you're introducing real food uh, at regular intervals and giving them more confidence and a better palate. And uh, yeah, so this is kind of what we've been doing in our kitchen. Of course, the other big thing that comes with this, uh, the move to solids, is that our dog Jack is learning that the high chair and Gemma <laughs> is like his best friend. Food rains <laughs> off of this high chair uh, and he gets to clean up everything. So the baby and the dog, they're becoming very fast friends. Yeah, right. Get rid of the vacuum. You've got Jack. That's right. <laughs> I love so, it. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing going on in our kitchen these days. But I also just want to encourage if there's any other parents out there, because we we have found that, you know, in, in raising a baby and all the other things that we have going on in our lives, there's not a lot of time to just like get in the kitchen and be creative and stuff like that. So like, listen, for a period in your life, buttered toast, that can be supper and that's fine. You know, like cereal or whatever, breakfast. Breakfast yeah. is usually the easiest uh, thing to make and that you can have breakfast for dinner. That's allowed. Yogurt and granola, you can have that for dinner, believe it or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I like that. I like that. Um, just encouraging other parents to, to, you know, just do what you need to do. But don't be so hard on yourself. That's right. Yeah. I love it. And Gemma is six months old. I know. How did this happen? The time absolutely flew. Uh, it feels like literally, and every parent says this, but it feels like just yesterday, we, we were trying to figure out how we were going to get through a month of my time off and <laughs> still make some podcasts. So uh, yeah, no, it's it's been uh, an absolutely incredible journey. Um, and I'm, I'm honestly, I'm really excited to get to this phase of like introducing foods because we have had so many people on the podcast talking about how to raise kids who aren't picky eaters and how to um, establish a good relationship between your, your child and, and food so that they have healthy eating habits and things like that. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to kind of get the chance now to put a lot of these things into practice that we've learned so much about over the years. Right. And then both you and your wife's staff, you guys are both foodies mm -hmm. and you enjoy food and, and you want that to be part of your family. Absolutely. Yeah. I have to ask because, you know, we ask all our guests Mr. Agnew, what is your kitchen confession for this summer? Of course, we have to have a confession. Uh, my kitchen confession this summer is that I absolutely put more time and effort into healthy snacks for the dog than I do for myself. <laughs> I was not expecting that for the dog. I will, and Steph makes fun of me a lot for this. I will full on sit there and like make the dog okay it's a whole process i make the dog like a smoothie no with like banana and almond butter and yogurt and i have like five of these like toys like these they're kongs yeah and you, you fill them up and you freeze them um part of it is because you know he's a one-year-old puppy he can be a lot sometimes and if you just need him to shut up for like half an hour you can give him this frozen kong so there's sort of a strategy 
in there, but I've I've also tried like dehydrating sweet potatoes to give him like you crunchy snacks because I'm always yep one hundred percent. I was gonna do it with chicken too, just haven't got around to it. But Steph will come in and be like, "Okay, so this is great. Jack's gonna love this, but listen, um, what's for dinner, dude?" <laughs> Jack is living the life. Oh I'm yeah, I'm gonna call him Prince 100%. Jack. Yeah, he's he's on the meal plan. We all wish we could be. I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with our editor and co-producer Matt Agnew. Well, Mary, we've got some really exciting news because a new season of your AMI TV series, Dish with Mary, has uh, recently premiered. Yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, what shooting this season was like and and what's more to come. Okay, Dish with Mary season two, I'm so excited to announce it. I can't wait for you guys to watch, follow along, try the recipes, because again, they're so delicious, they're so much fun to prepare, and they're easy, they're accessible. Um, It's just a lot of fun. And we have eight chefs from across Canada that are joining us. We're talking with, well, episode one and episode two have aired on AMI-tv, but if you missed it, you can always catch up on ami.ca slash dish, and you can catch all the episodes of season one and now season two there. Um, So as they air, if you missed it on cable, then you can go online and stream it. They also actually, which I do know I should say and mention that the episodes are also on the AMI app. So if you go to your app store, download the AMI app, you can stream all the episodes there. And they have a lot of other uh, shows on there as well. But we're talking about Dish because I'm so excited. We did episode one, Andy Hay, fish tacos. These were delicious. So simple to make. Chef Jen Peters, we did gluten-free pasta. Again, all these recipes are really, really simple. Um, And when I say simple, it it doesn't take away from the flavor, Matt. It doesn't take away from the deliciousness of it, mm-hmm. because they are tasty. Uh, but what we made sure and what the chefs wanted to do was show that these dishes can be made and this is the process and how simple it is to make them. Well, the fish tacos were amazing. I love that one because it was so fast. Like how fast those came together. Yeah. Was that, that was dinner on a plate in 30 minutes probably. Right. And sometimes the name of a dish or the foods just scare us, right? And it's, it's not scary, but it's, it's intimidating, because you think, okay, fish tacos, what am I going to do? How do I do this? There's so many moving parts to it. It's not. It's very simple. And Andy simplifies that for us. Even the gluten-free pasta. Chef Jen Peters, they own uh, Good Flour Co. She realized that she had a gluten intolerance. So she'll explain this in the show. Uh, for those that haven't watched season one, first of all, why haven't you? Um, I'm just saying. <laughs> Everyone loves having a catalog to binge, right? <laughs> right, exactly. So if you're one of those people that love to binge, go back in season one. Um And what it is, is we talk with the chefs. So we have chefs that walk us through these accessible recipes. Um, And when I say accessible, I mean it in both ways. So it can be enjoyed by everyone. You know, for for someone like myself, a a low vision cook, uh, partially sighted, legally blind, however you want to classify it, I find ways of cooking in the kitchen so I can still get that delicious meal and feel comfortable and safe as I'm doing it. Um, and the chefs do it along with me. They learn something from me. I learn something from them. And when you're watching the show, everyone can enjoy it at the same time. We've got focaccia with Babette Corellos. Um, she's a master bread baker. I can't wait for you to meet her. She's lovely. Uh, she shows us how to make focaccia. She talks a little bit about sourdough 
Chef Sang. We're making sushi, pad thai with Chef Stephen Barrett. Uh, there's so much packed in. We've got Bixberry pies, vegan donair. If you've never heard of it, Chef Lauren Marshall talks about vegan donair. Um, we do a steak salad with Andrea Bucket. There are so many things happening in this season. You will love them all because they're just, there's so much fun to make. And it just demonstrates that these recipes are easy to make, but they're full of flavor and packed with flavor. So it's a lot of fun. You'll enjoy it. That's fantastic. Honestly, I can't wait for the rest of the uh, season to come out. And it sounds like this season, you guys have got quite a spread. Um, Are there any other summer foodie finds that you wanted to share? Oh, there are. So I recently had, I went to Roselle, um, which is a little bakery here in Toronto. And I had their strawberry pavlova. Oh my goodness. It is one of the best I've had. It was so light, airy, fluffy. If you get a chance, pop in. Um, It's a small little place. You just stand up, go to the front door, place your order, pick it up at the back. It's delicious. They've got some great ice cream as well. Um, Mandy's salads was something recent. Now, before you shoot the sun, because everyone's like, oh, I can make my own salad at home. (laughs) I get that. But they really put a lot of effort and ingredient into their salads. Their dressings are phenomenal. It's just the right amount of dressing for the right amount of salad. And we're not talking regular salads. So we're talking with a whole bunch of interesting ingredients in them. Um, and they're great. Like if you're going with summer, we want to spend it outside. You want to go pick up something to eat and you want to still stay, stay a little light because it is hot out. I don't know about you, Matt, but when it's hot, I can't eat heavy. No, I totally agree. There is something about summer. I I tend to eat a lot less. My appetite is just suppressed by the heat, I find. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you, you definitely want those lighter options for sure. Yeah. So you just pick up one of those little to-go container, go sit in a park on a bench, a little picnic table, enjoy it and be outside and not have to, you know, feel weighed down with some heavy food or deep fried foods. Definitely Mandy salads. I would give that a try. Um, that's on Ossington here in Toronto. Pizzeria Badiali. If I tell you this place is not, it's lived up to its hype. It's phenomenal. You have to try it. So it's located in Toronto's West End. It's a neighborhood slice shop. So you can buy a whole pie or just go in there and get a slice. It's a nod to the New York style pizza. So have you ever had like New York style pizza? Well, we have it all the time. Uh, We just don't realize it's like the New York style pizza. Yeah, it's, it's the kind that has like the sort of thinner, crisper crust. Is that right? Absolutely. So the difference between New York style pizza and Neapolitan or Napolitana style pizza is the New York style pizza, it's got a sturdier crust. So they're both thin crust pizzas. New York style, you can actually lift and hold. It'll stay as a slice. The crust is not as pronounced as a Neapolitan pizza. And there are a lot more toppings on it. So that's why they make it the sturdier crust. So it can hold all the extra toppings that you're putting on it. Neapolitan or Napolitana style pizza is the opposite of that. So the doughs are similar, um, except the Neapolitan, again, thin base, but the crust is very airy, light. I want to say puffy for lack of a better word. And it's got more air in the crust of it. But it's topped with, say, fresh tomato sauce, mozzarella, uh, maybe a little basil. There's not much going on in Neapolitan style pizza. Right. You don't want all those heavy toppings because it's a lighter dough. It's not as sturdy. So you can actually, how you eat Neapolitan pizzas, you'll fold it in half and then eat it. Yes. Um, Or other way is knife and fork on a plate because it won't hold anything, really a whole bunch of ingredients on it because it is that lighter 
um, airier crust. Do you do you ever eat a pizza with a knife and fork? I have. I feel like that's weird. If it if it's sort of like a floppy crust, I will just like fold it in half and go for it. You, you okay. got to commit, right? No, well, only <laughs> if I'm at a restaurant and I'm eating a Neapolitan pizza and it's just come out of the oven. So usually I let it rest for a couple of minutes. But if it's just come out of that wood burning oven, which is amazing, you get that smokiness from it. It's so good. I'll do a knife and a fork because, again, I'm worried that I'm going to spill it on me and wear half of it. <laughs> so, one, you be I'm a little a, dignified right, in the restaurant, just, right? Just to, you know, I mean, you could dress me, but you got to be able to take me somewhere. So, <laughs> so I don't want to be wearing half of it. I mean, I'm a klutz by nature, and then add the low vision to it. It's a it's a bad mix. Like I just want to make sure that it stays on my plate. Um, but if I'm home, honestly, I just go in. I go right in. Like if I could face plant into my plate and then eat my way out of that pizza, I would. Like it's that good. Um, but yeah, so I have, to answer your question, I have used the knife and a fork. Um, I have folded it in half. I, I've done it all. Like it's just just to get it in my mouth. Well, you've you've also been putting some mileage on the pizza oven that you got, I think, around this time last year, and you've been working on sort of perfecting your your signature Mary dough. Do you want to tell us about that? I have, I have. So I'm still working on it, but I'm much further away, uh, much further along than I was, say, last year, because we did get a chance to really, really work with it last year. We had a lot of rain last summer. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do, because my garden was just horrible. I've been mixing the two, so I've been going a little bit Neapolitan. And a little bit New York style. So when I'm mixing the doughs, I'll use um, my brother. Okay, I have to give a nod to my brother because my brother, uh, Vince, he has been making pizzas for a few years now. Because he actually built his own wood-burning oven. And he's perfected his dough. It's ridiculous. Like if I could, I would just charge admission for people to come and just have a sliced pizza. Um, he's, it's that good. So he helped me a lot realized, you know, I'd work with different flours. So I started with using a bread flour. And then I mix, I tried mixing an all-purpose flour with it. So I did half bread flour, half all-purpose. What you get is a little sturdier crust, but it's not as light and airy as it was with the bread flour. So I did, then I did 100% just bread flour. And then I tried mixing, what my brother suggested was do bread flour and then do maybe a half or even a quarter of it double zero flour. Have you heard of double zero? I have, yeah. Right, it's that really it's very fine, fine, yeah, very fine flour. So you get this nice light crust, and that seems to have worked with me. I mean, he told me to, to try working with um, live yeast because I've only done it with active dry yeast. Um, so now I'm going to try it with live yeast. Cross your fingers, okay, that I don't end up with this big puff ball. <laughs> hey, what do you think you'd get if you if you made pizza dough with a cake flour? Again, it's light and airy. So cake, it's not as it doesn't have as much protein as say all-purpose flour. So you're gonna get a little more air and a little more light and fluffiness into your baked good. So I would assume it would do the same type of thing as a bread, but maybe just even lighter, maybe even just airier. Hmm. Interesting. Could be a good experiment. It's, yeah, it's the amount of protein that's in it. And I don't like a lot of things on my pizza, a lot of toppings. Are you like Oh, wait, I have to ask this. Do you like pineapple? You want to start this with me, Mary? I am. Are, are we going to fight there. today? We are going there because I just had the discussion. We had some friends over and two of my girlfriends love pineapple on their pizza. Okay, listen, this is a culinary hill I am willing to die on. Come on. Pineapple goes on pizza. Stop okay? it. It belongs. Stop it does. Stop it. No. 
<laughs> no, we're going to disagree on that one. A little salty, a little sweet. It works for everything, including pizza. Oh, no. Yes. No, no, no. I, I no, no. See, you just make me sad when you say that. <laughs> Can't gatekeep pizza, Mary. Okay, to each their own. <laughs> you do you. Okay, Mary, besides not liking pineapple on pizza, what is your kitchen confession? Okay, it's it's actually a confession from when we were filming Dish with Mary. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we have these microphones. Um, you know it because your audio, <laughs> your background, <laughs> and they're the lav mics, so the ones that go underneath your clothing, and the pack snaps onto the back of your pants or dress or whatever it is. Right, yeah. I want to mention that you have all these packs on you. You've got an earpiece. You've got your microphone, these two big packs at the back of you. And when you have to go to the bathroom, it's really, really difficult. You've got to be strategic about it. So I was all excited because I said to Mike Bonson, I did it. Everything stayed intact. I'm so good. Superstar, gold star for me. Um, I didn't have to kind of pull anything off or I didn't yank on my mic or anything. Right. When I was just adjusting my my dress or whatever, and the as case you know, was. sound guys are really sensitive about that. You know, absolutely, absolutely. So don't we drop were, my microphone in the toilet, please. Yeah, <laughs> we had a great time about because I was like, Mike, I did it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't tear out my mic, nothing. So we're getting ready to film, and sure enough, they're saying, "Well, we can't hear well." Um, now, dish with Mary, uh, it's virtual as well. So the other side was saying that they could hear me. Mike's checking his mics. Uh, Checking everything. It's like, everything's fine on this end. Mary, is your mic Is your mic there? I said, yes, I told you. Look, I did it. It was good. So <laughs> turns out my mic actually went down the leg of my pants. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it was in the front, down the leg. And I'm talking and I'm like, yes. But what I was feeling was the tape that the mic was taped onto me with. <laughs> Oh. Not the actual mic. Right. Um, so I'm saying, yes, it's there. And we were checking everything. Yeah. It was down my pant leg. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they were hearing me, but it was muffled because it was down my leg. Oh, man. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, Matt. This has been so much fun. I just love it when we catch up. It's been grand, Mary. Thanks That's so much. <laughs> now get back in the kitchen so we got something to talk about next time. <laughs> It's that time we've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchenconfession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mamalini. Thanks for listening. 